Welcome to the launch of season three in playing with research in health and physical education. Um, I just wanted to thank everybody for uh, listening throughout the last few years. Um, we have a great year ahead of us again and great content coming up. Um, and today we're starting with the sport education model. Um, so this sport education model uh, podcast was made by Dr. Tristan Wallhead. He is at the University of Wyoming. And he has done this in two parts. So this is the first part. The second part will launch um, in the next episode. So um, I will leave it short and let Tristan take over. Welcome and uh, thanks for listening to my initial podcast on sport education. In this podcast, I'd like to uh, outline the essential feature of the sport education model. As told by a teacher to an inquiring principal, The key purpose of this podcast is to identify key aspects upon which sport education is based and also to show how it is different from simply taking into school or community sport directly into physical education. The podcast finishes with a brief discussion of the notions of the outcomes of producing competent, literate and enthusiastic sports players, which are the fundamental goals. Dr. Jacobs, the principal at a high school in a small country school, had heard of this buzz travelling around his school about something called sport education. He'd heard from teachers about the unusually high levels of student engagement in physical education lessons and how Miss Jones had transformed a difficult 8th grade class into a group of invested and committed students. Curious, Dr. Jacobs decides to take a visit to Miss Jones's class to see sport education for himself. The following scenario is a snapshot of what transpired. The students entered the gym and immediately dispersed to different locations, which had been designated as their home courts. One student, who will learn as the fitness leader, leads her team through a series of exercises, which she has prepared prior to class. Another student from this team has collected badminton shuttles and rackets from the equipment area and is given these to the players in his team. Once the warm-up is completed, the students begin to practice overhead clears with a partner. Meanwhile, Miss Jones is meeting with the coaches of the six teams in the class and is reviewing some of the challenges she saw during matches the lesson before. Miss Jones asks each coach in turn to identify what they saw as the main area of need for their own team. She then provides a task sheet to each coach based upon their response. The coaches now go to lead their teams in practice. After finish 15 minutes of team practice, Miss Jones announces to teams to go to your match courts and get started. She also tells them that the scoreboard clock will start in two minutes, so I expect everyone to be ready. On arrival at courts, one and two doubles teams from, from the Blue Bananas and the Back Alley Bandits take their positions for play, while players from the Bad Minions take their places out courtside in roles of scorekeepers, umpires and statisticians. At the end of the lesson, all teams return to their home areas, the equipment managers have returned their inventory, and the day's umpires gather in front of the class. In turn, each of these umpires announces the score for their match, reports the fair play points awarded to each team, and announces the player who receives the match's Super Shuttle Award for the most amazing player of the day. Dr. Jacobs is suitably impressed and returns to his office, determined to speak to Miss Jones about this sport education. This lesson didn't mirror his own experiences in physical education and he was interested to learn more about the ideas behind this format. What were the key features within it that led to such student enthusiasm and engagement? The rest of this podcast will provide answers to that question. 
The idea of sport education was first brought into light by Daryl Seentop, an American professor of physical education with extensive experience in teaching and effectiveness research. After spending what he, what he described as countless hours observing physical education classes, he came to the conclusion that even when taught effectively, these lessons were not interesting or challenging enough to inspire students. To seed and top, lessons of sport within physical education lacked a le level of authenticity, by which he meant that the essential features of sport that led, led to its attractiveness were rarely being incorporated within physical education. Sport-based lessons in physical education fail to resemble the exciting and engaging experiences that students either participate in outside of school or watched on TV. What was missing was those elements that gave meaning to the learning of skills, of competing in matches and being part of a team. Without meaning, there is little reason to be motivated, and hence classes became particularly casual with modest, if any, gains in learning, and the whole event became somewhat no sweat. The seeding top sport when conducted in inter-school or club situations has six key features that give it meaning. These features are seasons, affiliation, formal competition, culminating events, record keeping and festivity. Seasons. Rather than short units, sports are conducted as seasons where there is enough time to develop skill and game competencies to experience the ebbs and flows of competition and to work towards an end goal. When Dr. Jacobs asked Miss Jones about the length of a badminton unit, she replied that I'm extending over three weeks because I want them to have enough time to play a good game rather than stopping just as they get start to get it. It's when you see you're making progress and can play decently that you really get motivated to learn and persist. Dr. Jacobs then asked if the students didn't get bored during the same doing the same thing over and over. This brought a smile to Miss Jones, whose polite response was, they're actually doing the same thing over and over. They train, they umpire, they play, and most of all, they're showing a real commitment to improve skill and gameplay within their team. Affiliation. In sport education, students become members of teams at the start of a season and retain their team affiliation throughout the season. All practices and contests are completed as teams, and as such, these groups take upon particular identities through team names, colours, chants, and even mascots. Dr. Jacobs had wondered about these teams called the Bad Minions, asking how long they stayed together, and, and how students would get along being together for such an extended period. What if, he asked, there was a few students who struggled to cooperate with each other and cause problems? Do you move these to other teams? Miss Jones noted that there is potential for challenging group dynamics in any team format. She continued, however, to remind him that the, the idea of pers persisting teams is derived from evidence that suggests that much of the social learning, learning derived from sport, as well as part of the personal growth often attributed to positive sport experiences, it is intimately related to affiliation within a persistent group. After all, she pointed out, a player in the AFL doesn't play for Carlton this week, Collingwood the next, and the West Coast Eagles the one after. It's the whole idea of working together to find ways to get along and be successful. That's some of the best lessons. Formal competition. Sports scenes are typically defined by a series of matches interspersed with practice sessions. More sig significant is that the results of these matches actually count for something, such as towards a premiership or team title. The inclusion of formal competitions within physical education provides opportunities for planning and goal setting that create the context for pursuing important outcomes that have real meaning for student, students. 
Dr. James was curious as, how, as to how these students were handling the competitiveness of the season, asking, can they win and lose effectively? You know, you have some characters in that class, Miss Jones. Yes, she replied, but put it this way, I explained to the students that competition is closely tied to the pursuit of competence. I'm constantly reinforcing the idea that we need two teams to play a game. If no one shows you, you don't have a game. The purpose of an opponent is to give you an opportunity to test yourself and your team. She continued, that being, sa that being said, in our league, the champion teams are determined by factors other than simply just win-loss. We have fair play points, team role points, and bonuses for out-of-class play. Record keeping. Records are used to enhance the sporting experience, providing feedback for individuals and groups. The simplest record is the game score, but other in-game variables are fundamental to setting future goals. Records also help to define sport traditions. I noticed that there were students who looked like they were keeping scores and statistics in your class, noted Dr. Jacobs. What do you do with these, and wouldn't they rather be playing than watching? Funny you should say that, replied Miss Jones. In fact, many students have told me of them one of the most fun parts of the season is watching other teams play. They say you get ideas about how you play them yourself when you're the opponent. She continued, actually, I've been impressed by the level of commitment of the students when they keep records, as I've been mo motivated myself when they come to me at lunchtime and ask to see some of the scores and the ratings. Culminating event. It is in the nature of sport to find out who is the best for a particular season or for others to mark their progress in relation to that outcome. Culminating events create the opportunity for, fest for a festival and celebration of accomplishments, which is a significant characteristic of playing sport. So I notice you've made a request for an excursion to the local sports centre in a couple of weeks. Does that relate to this badminton unit? Asked Dr Jacobs. Certainly, replies Miss Jones. We want to have a series of semi-finals and finals to crown the class champions. And the only way we can pull that off in the time we have is to use a larger venue. It will also allow us to invite parents and other interested parties to attend. Festivity. Sport competitions are occasions for festivity. From the major festivals associated with Olympic Games to the family festival or children's soccer game. In sport education, teachers and students work together to create a continual festival that celebrates improvement, trying hard and playing fairly. Teams develop identities through names and colours and records are publicised and other rituals and traditions are honoured. You'll be getting an invitation yourself to the finals, noted Miss Jones. The students have made a list of dignitaries they'd like to occupy the VIP section next to the championship court. I wouldn't miss it, replied Dr. Jacobs. But tell me, what I saw in your class looked a lot more busy than what you'd see during club sport. And there was only you to manage it. How does that work? Miss Jones then spent ta some time helping Dr. Jacobs see how a sport education program differs in three distinct ways from inter-school or community sport. First, there is an underlying commitment to participation in that everyone plays all the time. Unlike on the weekend when some get to play the whole game, while others may not even see the field. In sport education, the competitions are between small teams so that everyone is playing. Second, the games are modified to make them developmentally appropriate. You won't see an 11-a-side soccer season nor a 5-a-side basketball series of matches. Rather, the rules, equipment and playing dimensions are adjusted to match the demands of the game to the skills of the players. Small-sided games see considerably more action, 
by individual players, enhanced motivation, as well as a level of accountability for team members to give their best efforts with respect to improvement. Finally, in sport education, students take upon roles other than that of a player. Miss Jones reminds Dr. Jacob of the various responsibilities he would have seen at the beginning of her lesson. There were fitness leaders, equipment managers, coaches, all completing their task, getting their teams ready to play. And during the games, I didn't have to officiate as the students had been trained to keep score and keep statistics. And how, is it, how has it worked? Asked Dr. Jacobs, noting he saw high levels of investment. Miss Jones answers, when students fulfill their roles responsibly, several important outcomes are achieved. First, they become more responsible for their own learning. And as such, my usual role of class manager and traffic policeman takes a significant backseat. I can now offer much more individual help to students who need it. Dr. Jacobs was suitably impressed with the features of sport education described by Ms. Jones. The student-centred features of sport education reminded him of the peer teaching and cooperative learning approaches used by some of his classroom teachers when they were teaching reading. He reflected that the students seemed to, to engage fully with the task and when they were given responsibility and were dependent on, to, on each other for group success. As he pondered this pedagogy, he asked Ms. Jones, so how do these features of sport education contribute to important learning goals in physical education. Ms. Jones responded that these features are designed for students to not only develop competency, but to also develop their literacy and enthusiasm for sport. The students develop sufficient skills and knowledge to play the game, but they also want to play, but they, because they have come to value the experiences and enjoyment derived from playing. Through the season, they have also come to understand and value the rules and traditions of badminton, and to learn to distinguish between good and sport bad practices in sport. By achieving these objectives, it is hoped that these stu same students will develop attitudes that will make them more informed participants in adult sport culture. Thank you for listening to my initial podcast on sport education and why it is attractive and engaging to students.